I need to take each day one day at a time. And the thing is, when we, and we all worry, so that's at least where we can all relate. You may not, you know, have weird phobias, but you, we worry. And when we worry about something that may or may not even happen, you know, a month from now, tomorrow, we're stealing energy today that God created for today to give us, to get us through today. And so I try and think about that, that God gives me what we need for today, and then tomorrow, His mercies are new. Welcome to the Storytellers Live podcast, where everyday women share stories of hope found in Jesus. I'm Robin, and I'm here with Katie and Lindy, and we are your podcast hosts. Y'all, if you're new to Storytellers, if you're new to the podcast, or if you've been listening for a while, but you may not know that we are more than just a podcast. We're actually a full ministry that offers Bible studies and live gatherings. And so, Lindy, tell us a little bit about the live gatherings. Well, you know, Storytellers Ministry was just founded just on the mission of everyday women sharing stories of hope in Jesus. And so we have 12 community teams, mainly across the Southeast, where women gather in churches or in living rooms, and again, share stories of hope where God has shown up in their lives in a specific season, in a specific circumstance. And so through these stories, we're able to produce this podcast. And then we also, Katie has written two incredible Bible studies that we also offer. Well, you know, Lindy, as you say, we want women to share stories of hope found in Jesus, but one of our really missions is for women to go from religion to relationship with Jesus, and that's what these Bible studies are all about. We offer two of them. One is stories of hope. One is stories of freedom. We've got incredible feedback of how these Bible studies are really transforming lives, and so we're so excited about offering that as well. And before we get to our story, I want to just tell y'all that right now, we are opening applications to become a community for storytellers. We do this once a year, and now is the time. And so if you've listened for a while, or if you're listening now and think, oh, wait, I would love to have, I think I would love to have a community, then reach out to us at info at storytellerslive.org and ask for more information and we can get you everything you need. And the applications end for this year on October 31st. And now for today's story, we are excited to bring you Brittany Hogan, who's actually from our Fairhope community, like you just talked about. Lindy, she's one from it's South Alabama is where Fairhope is, if you don't know. And Brittany is sharing a story that all the time we hear about. And Brittany's story is a topic that we love around here. You all love to listen to because you tell us, and it's on anxiety. Well, I think we love it because we can all certainly relate to it. You know, her story, not only is it one about anxiety and how anxiety does not discriminate, but it also just is such a great educational tool, at least it was for me, and just into this world of anxiety, panic attacks, OCD, all of those things. So I'm going to tell you, if you know someone that is struggling with this, you really want to mark this podcast and be able to share it with someone um, that might be struggling with it. I'm excited for you to hear Brittany's story and the hope that she found in Jesus through her anxiety. And our Patreon insiders today are going to get a Where Are They Now episode with Mandy McCowan, who was from episode 58. And Amy Grody is going to catch up with her and talk about what she's done since she shared. She actually recently just climbed a 29,000-foot mountain. or or, Yes. And so (laughs) you get to hear all about that. So if you want to become a Patreon insider, click the show notes and join us today. Or you can visit storytellerslive.org. Here's Brittany. So I'm married. Uh, Jonathan is my husband. We live here in Fairhope locally. We have a little boy um, named Ethan that's eight years old in third grade, and he is awesome. He's so fun, but we have um, an only child, so he is the only child, and uh, we love 
our life here in Fairhope. It's great. I mean, if you live here, you know it's pretty amazing. Uh, we're blessed with just great um, community, a great church. I um, work at Three Circle Church. I lead our children's ministry there. So this is a little different than talking to a bunch of five to ten year olds. Um, hopefully, y'all be a better audience. <laughs> um, we've lived here for about eleven years, and but I grew up in Milton, Florida. If if you never heard of it, you're not missing much. Uh, they have a great bakery, and that's about it. But um, it's very different from Fairhope, and. As I was going through my story, I think anytime you like think about, okay, your timeline and your life story, you know, what, what was really going on then? And, um, yeah, I realized quickly that, you know, Milton's very different from Fairhope. And, um, so like I grew up in a Christian household. So I have only known church my whole life. I have, I have never not known being in, in the local church. And I have two amazing parents that, um, raised me and my siblings. So I'm the oldest of four and they still are married, love each other and love God. And, and that's something that I know is rare. And so I'm so thankful looking back now, just knowing my, um, my upbringing. And I'm so thankful. And it truly was humble roots, you know, growing up. Like I remember being in our van going to McDonald's and my mom had all of our drinks and chips and then we got a hamburger in the drive through like that's how we rolled and saved some money and so now with you know inflation you know maybe you need to do that I don't know I mean a hamburger is probably three dollars now <laughs> but no it was good and uh I have great memories growing up like I was I was loved so well so like I said we were in church my dad ended up going into ministry when I was in middle school and so that was later in life at the time he had ran a tire store and and so um like I went to church Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, GAs, mission friends, Bible drills. Like I was the poster child for the 90s Christian like kid growing up, um, loving Michael W. Smith, Stephen Chapman. I mean, Point of Grace. It was great. And my parents literally had a Christian CD collect club, like a club. And so they get like CDs mailed to them. So like, that's all I knew. I don't think I had a, a secular CD until I was like in high school. Seriously. I was, I guess, a little sheltered. I came to know Jesus at the age of nine and, um, you know, grew up in youth group and, uh, you know, middle school, I'll just kind of breeze over because there's not a whole lot great in middle school for anybody. Anybody that's killing it in middle school, then they've got a future <laughs> because middle school, I mean, I, it was just awkward. And, uh, but I was involved with the youth group and then, um, high school comes around and I um, was still involved in church. At that point, my dad was a pastor. And so that was kind of weird, like being the pastor's kid. And, um, but I you know, had a boyfriend like later in high school that wasn't a Christian. And so I wasn't necessarily very close to the Lord at that point. Um, but high school was good. Like, um, you know, we had great friends. I wouldn't say I was popular. And, uh, I have proof that I wasn't popular. It's a funny story that, um, I, I, so I lead a high school small group also. And I always tell anytime I have an opportunity to kind of share my story in some way, I always share this because it's just good to be humbled sometimes. So Milton High School decided to have 18 girls on their senior court. It's a lot. I don't even know how many was in the class, but I didn't make it. Okay. Um, like 18. And so I always wonder like, was I 19? Was I like 32? Like, I really, uh, obviously 20 years later, struggle with that. 
I really did. Um, but then um, I made it through high school, you know, and then ended up going to uh, University of West Florida. So, um, you know, I at that point, I think I said, yeah, I grew up in – did I say how big the house was? It was like really small. So it was like 1,100 square feet for six of us. So like it was very small. Uh, and then so finally, by the time I get to college, I got my own room. We moved houses. But I lived at home during college. And I went to, like I said, West Florida after I went to junior college. So these girls that are like all worried about going to these bougie schools, like it's okay if you don't go to like Sanford and Auburn and Alabama. I survived. You know, I survived going to you know, a Pensacola school, go Argos, you know. Um, (laughs) But uh, when I went, so this is funny. So I ended up, you know, breaking up with that guy that wasn't a Christian. And my life spiritually really turned around by the time I got in college because um, I ended up being a part of, you know, shocker, uh, Baptist College Ministries. So that's, that was kind of like my sorority, you know, my, my club. And it was fun. Like it's, 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 it's funny because that's where I realized that there are cute boys that like love God and they worship him. And like, it was just a whole new world because they weren't in Milton. And so it was just so funny (laughs) to see that. And I was boy crazy all of, all of college for sure. Um, None of them dated me though. Um, But (laughs) um, so I went to UWF uh, for my elementary ed degree, love kids. And um, I took a little bit longer to get through college because I took time off to do mission trips and did one summer and then another summer. And then I actually took a semester off from um, school to do one in Africa. And when I tell you like more of my story, it's it, I'm still baffled that I even did that. Um, but but during all of this, there was this overarching sense of uh, anxiety. And so when you hear that word, you know, you may have certain ideas of what that is. Um, so if, I'll just say anxiety as an overarching umbrella of the different things that I dealt, I, I still deal with. So it would be anxiety, um, panic attacks, uh, OCD, depression, phobia, like seasonal affective disorder. Like out of all of that, that's come in different forms and fashions in my life. And, and so that's, that's kind of what I'm sharing today. And that's a little bit of a backdrop there just to know, you know, where I came from. I ended up teaching one year in Birmingham and I didn't like teaching. I love kids, but I didn't like teaching. And I ended up meeting my husband, Jonathan, through my sister that lived in Pensacola and he did too through mutual friends. And anyway, I came back home after that because uh, we were serious and um, got engaged. So that was about 25 years old. So if I rewind a little bit to high school again, and yes, I I don't have it all together in any way, shape or form. And some of my story, you know, I may sound kind of crazy, but it's, yeah, it's my story and this is my journey. But um, that form of anxiety, different elements of it have presented in my life since I was about uh, 17, 18. I can remember sitting in high school vividly with my um, throat closing in, um, hand sweating, the feeling of needing to escape the room and it would happen in elsewhere too in, in church. Like to this day, I'll still sit in certain areas where I can see like the nearest exit. And so in the movie theater, like it happened all kinds of places. And so I went and talked to my parents because honestly, I had a hard time like concentrating, you know, in church, in school. 
so I was talking to my parents about it and my dad has, has never been like stressed out in his life. He's like, just even kill. Like I, he doesn't need any kind of medication. <laughs> my mom does. <laughs> um, <laughs> she was like, yeah, well it runs in our family. And like most of her siblings are on some kind of form of, form of anti-depression um, medication. And I forget what I've said already because I've practiced out loud so many times, but I, <laughs> I, I don't know how our pastor does that when they, they preach multiple times. But um, I I deal with some phobia that deals with sickness, which made me a really big, still am a germaphobe. And so I, I call myself a pre-COVID germaphobe. Like before I was doing all the things before they said, do this, like wash your hands, obviously. And so I was really struggling with all that. And my mom and dad were like, okay, what do we need to do? And, I, and I'm thankful for that. They did not dismiss me. And this was 20 years ago. And, and so we uh, at first tried like some medication with my primary care physician. And, and they'll tell you that's not their expertise, but they can try, you know, to, to help you with that. And um, so that kind of began this journey of, of trying to figure out, you know, what's going on. And so I first saw a Christian counselor and, um, I love counseling. I love, I honestly look for reasons to go to counseling. I think it's so healthy. So, um, I don't know. I think we've gotten better as a culture of embracing that. Um, but I will say it's super important to do the hard work to find a good counselor. Cause even if it is a Christian counselor, you can get some bad advice. And, um, I was, I was blessed to be able to talk to someone that helped me understand and knowing kind of my background with my mom's, you know, side of the family that it wasn't just like a spiritual issue. And, and I was, I was freed from that knowing that, okay, what you're dealing with, all these things you're, you're talking about your symptoms. It's not just a spiritual issue. You're not having, you know, a bad quiet time or not a good enough prayer life. Like I think sometimes we get in our head about that and he's like, no, there's, there's something chemically that's going on. And, and so at this point, like I was married or at least, yes, by the time I get to this next step, I was, I was married and I'll share about just how it plays out in, in our marriage. But, but counseling was kind of that, if there's like a three pronged approach I, I took to get to where I am now, that was the first one. So the second thing would be seeing a psychologist. So the psychologist was the next step. And that was huge because I think it's so important to understand why am I thinking I'm like, why do I feel like I'm crazy? Why, why is this going on in my brain? And that person, she helped me understand like the why behind the what, like we were able to drill down into my life story and talk about, yeah, that happened in eighth grade. I could see how that could be, you know, playing into your phobia. And that, and that happened in 12th grade. I can see how that was, you know, probably another trigger in what you're dealing with. And so for me to already be predisposed because of my genes and then have some certain circumstantial things happen, it just kind of all became a, a cluster. And I, I had to figure out how to, to work through that. And so the cognitive behavioral therapy is, was really helpful for me to get understanding and then also help you have some tools that can, can help you with, you know, certain panic attack moments. But I would say that um, it helped kind of desensitize the issue and take the edge off. If that's a that's probably a good way to to say it. It helped take the edge off. But still, you know, at this point I was trying certain medication and it wasn't working. So that was the next step. And so the next journey 
would be to go to a psychiatrist. And so some of you may be like, what? We got a psychiatrist? You know, she's going to a psychiatrist. I'm, I mean, everyone's got a little crazy, but I'm not crazy. That was one of the best decisions ever because it was so cool to see all of these doctors work together because the psychologist was like, here's a great psychiatrist that you can see. And the first one that I saw was really bad. And that's also another thing to be aware of just to find someone that's not just going to give you, you know, any pills you want. And so the psychiatrist, to this day, I still drive to Pensacola twice a year to have a 20-minute appointment to maintain my medication. And so I'm obviously on medication. I'm a big fan because I think that God, you know, has had his hand in modern medicine with giving doctors the brain to be able to, you know, make these medications that help people. And so I know there's a stigma. I think women do a little bit better with that stigma and are okay with it. But, um, but to me, it's like if, if we had like a heart disease or, high cholesterol, like you're probably going to be on medication. Most of the room is probably at least on something or you take Advil, you have a headache. So like for me, my brain, he, this psychiatrist helped me understand that like my brain's broken. It's sick. It's the neurotransmitters, all these scientific terms don't all fire on all cylinders. And to, to know that, okay, this is what's going on. Um, we're going to help you with all those things under the umbrella of anxiety, uh, and get you on a good medication plan. And so that's kind of like that process. And it was a long journey because I would say the journey probably just recently came to a couple years ago to a place where I feel like I'm in a good, good place of maintaining all this. And, uh, I mean, that's after trying countless medication, different doctors, some really hard days. Um, but so I want to talk about like what it looks like in my marriage and my, in my family. And I'll tell you more about how it does get better. But, um, so when you deal with something like this, any kind of mental health issue, if you're on medication, there are side effects. And so for me, so being on medicine is great, but also there are things I had to um, know that it was going to be hard. And um, so with marriage, like my husband's so great about communicating about all this and he will try not to fix me and seek to understand first like that he's so good about that. And he's learned to kind of help me with, okay, is that going to be a trigger? Let me kind of intercept there is, you know, is that going to like make her like go start spiraling with OCD? He's great with that. But I think one of the hardest parts is with the side effects um, of medication for this is it affects the bedroom. And you can read between the lines there with what happens in the bedroom. And that is something that is very hard, obviously, because we've had to look at my mental health and know that I'm choosing that over that being the best it can be. And that is, yeah, we have a great marriage. That's one of the hardest things that we struggle with because I'm like, I got to choose. And so with Ethan, uh, obviously with all this, I was pregnant and had a baby and pregnancy was really hard, not physically. That was actually a breeze, but mentally it was hard. So that year of pregnancy or not year, gosh, nine months of pregnancy. (laughs) 
It did feel like a year. The nine months of pregnancy was so hard. And because here's the deal, you have to come off that medication. And that doctor had to walk me through coming off that medication. And so it was mentally just not, not good. And it should be happy time. And it, it wasn't, it wasn't. I remember crying in his nursery when I first found out or about halfway through just thinking, oh my gosh, what am I doing? And and so, so that year after was also very, very dark because I had friends around me that also had a baby and jumped back in six weeks later. Six weeks is an awful number, but they jumped right back. And I'm like, what's wrong with me? And I, at that point, I was leading the ministry of like small groups, connection team events. It was too much, by the way, but <laughs> I was doing that and had all intentions of, of coming back. Like I wasn't going to quit. Jonathan and I had moved from Pensacola to for me to work for Pastor Chris at Three Circle Church. Like that's why we moved there. So a couple years in, I'm like, oh, I have a baby, and I'm like, I can't function. Like I, I can't, I can't do a job. I can barely like take care of him. And so um, that was that was really hard having to quit my job that I love. I love to work. Like I, I did not feel called to be a stay at home mom. And um, so around the time of, of COVID, obviously, that's where we had a lot of time to reflect, right? We're either reading or eating a lot <laughs> and <laughs> talking and yeah. And so I, I so it was almost this point where Ethan's five years old now, and I had a moment where I realized, okay, what's what's next? Is is he our last child? Because at first, those couple of years after, I'm like, no, never again, no. And I think God does help you like not remember all the bad stuff and all. But He didn't let some people in my life forget all the bad stuff. And and so I remember talking to my husband and just saying, "Are we done? Because there have to things have to happen to make sure we're done." And and he's like, Brittany, I, I love you too much to see you go through that again. And because I couldn't see it for what it was, I was here. Like, I couldn't see what was going on. I think people close around me maybe did, but I still kind of hid that pretty well. And then even my doctor, the psychiatrist, was like, I don't think it's wise, but we can do it. But I don't, I don't think it's wise. And we all do, you know, when you're done having kids. But I'd grieve that, all right, that's it. You know, it's just Ethan and no sibling. And in that moment, I could really feel God just telling me, you know what, this is what you're dealing with. Like you're in a good place, but like it's here to stay. And so, you know, Paul in scripture talks about the thorn in his flesh. And I think it's so funny because (laughs) the other day I got stung by a bee. I think for the first time, I don't think I've ever been stung by a bee. And I seriously don't know if like the stinger's out or not. And it hurts. (laughs) So it's so funny to think about a thorn being bee sting be in my flesh right now. I just thought that was, you know, it was funny. I've got that reminder right here. Um, but that all this stuff that I've dealt with, even though I've gotten to a good place, it's, you know, it's, it's a part of my life. And I was able to be at peace with that, that uh, you may be on medication for the rest of your life. So I, I had to be at peace with that. Some people are able to come off of it, and that's awesome. But that that really does bring me to, like, the hope. So there is good that comes out of this, for sure. So, like, the turning point now for me is, you know, I'm thankful, you know, for God's grace and therapy, modern medicine, uh, to be able to manage all this in a way that I can stand before you today as a 
high-functioning adult and do these things. And I mean, God's blessed me so much with, like I said, a great husband that loves me through this um, with a great little boy. I mean, even, gosh, last week, Ethan was in the car and he was talking about, um, you know, mom, um, of course, it's when I'm like dealing with all this, you know, most of the kids I know have like either a brother or a sister, you know, I don't have either. And that is, that's hard. So, um, he might get a cat for Christmas cause he's obsessed. <laughs> and if you know me, like don't like animals. So that's how much I love my child and know I got to compromise somewhere. And then it's just the job I love. And here's the deal. Like if you deal with, even if you don't deal with anxiety, no one really likes to talk in front of people. It's like the most, you know, feared thing ever. And so the fact that I can do that and I, I do it with my job and I refuse to like let Satan get a hold of what I, where my mind can go. And cause I had to stop doing some of that stuff when I was pregnant and after I had eaten to be able to be on stage and communicate to kids and, you know, share God's love and all those things. Like I just refuse to like, let that get in my brain and go there mentally because then I'm like, no, like Satan, I'm not going to let him do that. So that doesn't mean that I don't experience panic attacks anymore. I learned how to navigate setbacks better, but I mean, I will say that every day when I, as soon as I wake up, like I know the mental anguish that goes on in my brain all day. And like I said, I've learned to kind of hide it well and get through it, but it's exhausting. What's cool about this is just to look at like the goodness of God, because I can sleep at night. I know that there is, you know, a lot of people struggle sleeping and you'd think I'd be like still going a million miles an hour, but I could sleep. Like I can go to bed like right now. And so I'm like the goodness of God, like I'll let you sleep. The other hours of the day you're awake is hard, but I'm thankful for that. And so scripture is clear. This is kind of the wrap up message of, of just where I'm at and where the spiritual aspect plays into it. And so scripture is clear that Jesus has given us exactly what we need for today. Like, um, I, I love using the, the Lord's prayer as kind of like an outline in my prayer life that, um, you know, God give me what my, I need for today. Give me my daily bread. And that's huge for me to like know that, okay, I need to take each day one day at a time. And the thing is when we, and we all worry. So that's at least where we can all relate. You may not, you know, have weird phobias, but you, we worry. And, you know, when we worry about something that may or may not even happen, you know, a month from now, tomorrow, we're stealing energy today that God created for today to give us, to get us through today. And so I try and think about that, that God gives me what we need for today. And then tomorrow his mercies are new. And so that's really something I've learned from this. And, you know, everybody has, has their thing, you know, you, you may not struggle with something on this level, but you've got something. I mean, we all do. If you don't, it, you know, it, you will, because the Bible says we will have struggles in this world. But I know that it's in my life for a reason. So I think that when we go through hard times that we can either say, why God, why, or what God, like, what do you want to teach me through this? How do you want to use this? And I've seen that. I've seen that once I've gotten to a good place, I'm like, okay, I can share testimony. I can speak to teenagers. I can look at a girl and say, you're not crazy. Like you're not alone. And I think there is power in sharing a story because one, it helps other people, but also 
it's more freeing. Like, my therapist will be so proud of me. Like, it's freeing to be able to do this, even though it's uncomfortable. And Satan wants to doubt, oh, they don't really relate to that. But, like, it's freeing to be able to share something and be healed a little bit more after that. And, I mean, I've looked girls in the eye and just been like, you know what? You're, you're not alone. You're not crazy. I don't want you to think for a second that you are. You're just dealing with something that's hard and that's not talked about a lot. And... um and so for me, yeah, I just, I think, I think because, you know, we, we live in a bubble in Fairhope. We, we're, we're good. Like we have a good life here. I'm very blessed, great family, friends, all those things. It's almost like I need a reason to need Jesus every day. I think I, I need that reminder that I need him. And, and, and so just knowing that he sees me, he loves me, he cares, he knows when I'm in a bad place and, in heaven, you know, uh, I'll, we'll all be healed from these things that we struggle with. And so all we can do is just take everything one day at a time. So that's my story. You know, I think Brittany's so profound in how she ends the story talking about that, you know, we, we all honestly need a reason to need Jesus. And I think that, that the Lord uses our struggles for that especially. There were several points in her story that I believe are so important. First of all, just like we talk a lot of times about addiction, not discriminating, anxiety doesn't discriminate. Uh-uh. She grew up in this household where she knew the Lord. I mean, she said, I had no complaints. You know, I had this great, this great upbringing in the Lord is my foundation, but she still struggled with anxiety. And I do think that oftentimes as believers, we believe we are not supposed to struggle with anxiety. Mm-hmm. You know, we quote all the time, Philippians 4, 6, don't be anxious about anything. With prayer and petition, make your requests known to God and the peace of God, which transcends all <laughs> understanding. I mean, we know it. But what we don't understand there is that's not—Paul is not calling anxiety a sin or even disobedience. Mm -hmm. Paul's very clear in his words when something's a sin or disobedience. What Paul is doing there is encouraging believers in their anxiety, you know, to take it before the Lord and to continue to take it before the Lord. We are not in our full glorified bodies here on earth. We never will be, so we're always going to struggle with something And I just think she did such a beautiful job of relating that not only back to Scripture, but just applicable in our lives as going to God for our daily bread that Sally Mae mentioned last week in her story, the manna that we need every day to keep us close to Him. That spoke to me because when she talked about manna, she was saying when we worry about tomorrow, we're stealing the energy and the blessings for today. And, And tying that to addiction, you know, addiction... You just do it one day at a time. Mm-hmm. And so I thought that was a, a, a great point of just, Lord, give me what I need today. And then also Brittany's story, it reminded me a lot of one of my daughters, because on paper, you would not think, oh, she grew up in a Christian home, and you know we, we've yeah. got A, B, and C. We, we're in a bubble. But she has struggled with anxiety, anxiety that to me, because I've never struggled in that way, does not make sense. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and so a lot of Brittany's walk, and I'm, I'm telling you, if you are a parent, you are seeing more and more of this mm-hmm. in your children. I also liked Brittany's transparency about medicine. People don't talk about medicine. No one wants to admit they're on medicine. Everybody is. Um, I, I just appreciated her transparency mm-hmm. with that topic. Yeah. Because, again, we talk about removing masks. We talk about being authentic with one another. And, and I appreciated her doing Absolutely. that. Absolutely, And to, you know, really to piggyback off of what you just said, Lindy, about 
having enough for every day. Mm-hmm. Because I, I do, I love that she talked about having a three-prong approach, the counselor, the psychologist, and medicine to even things out. Because I've even found in my life through seasons, I'm not dealing with anxiety and things are great. And then when when we are going through something hard, when anxiety does creep back in, I've done a lot of counseling and I know when I hit these points and I'm still hesitant mm. to go back to psychologist and medicine because it feels like I should have already conquered this. And that's not true. And I know that's not true. And a lot of it is it's just your chemical makeup and what your brain does when you're walking through difficult circumstances or when you have a chemical imbalance. These things are very real. And yet I feel like a lot of times the enemy really does come in and say, you're not trying hard enough. Exactly. You're not praying hard enough. Yeah. It's like you your said, Your faith isn't strong yes. enough. Uh-huh. Yeah. And so I just appreciate her giving those exact, just exactly what she's walked through mm-hmm. and how God has used all of those things to keep her balanced. You know, again, I think this story can be shared to so many people. As Lindy mentioned, you know, we know so many younger people that are going through anxiety. Pass this story along so that they know, first of all, they're not alone. And then second of all, there's help for them. And then third, the Lord is drawing them closer to Him through it. It is not something to be ashamed of or feel guilty of. The Lord is using it to draw you closer. So I'm so thankful to Brittany for sharing this story. Like you said, Katie, I know that every one in two women need to hear this. And so if you would share this with a friend and tag us, if you share it on social media, tag us so we know. We'd love to hear how the Lord speaks to you through these stories. And if you aren't subscribing to our podcast, would you just hit the follow button wherever you are, however you listen to this podcast, so that you know every week new topics, new stories are coming that bring you hope. Thanks for listening, and we will talk to you next week. Bye. Bye.